This podcast is sponsored by Enriched. Now, if you're a regular listener to the show, then you'll know that I'm not a big fan of Big Pharma. So I do everything I can to try and stay out of their sickness subscription system. And a key component in my daily arsenal is a dose of what I'm calling the White Basement Lion King Super Stack. First, chugga mushroom, known as the king of mushrooms for a reason. Its potent antioxidant, antiviral, immune-supporting properties make it the most studied medicinal mushroom on earth. And although there can be only one king, the king wears a mane, a lion's mane. Brain-boosting, neuron-sharpening, cognition-enhancing, lion's mane is the perfect partner for King Chaga and the second half of the Lion King Super Stack. For me, it's the perfect start to my day helping me to go hard and go home. Go to enriched.co, that's E-N-R-I-C-H-D.co, and use the discount code WHITEBASEMENTPOD to get a 10% discount site-wide. Start your day like a king. Go to Enriched and grab the Lion King Super Stack now. So I, I get a lot of anxiety, um, and so I do a lot of box breathing, um, which is four second inhale, four second hold, um, four second exhale, four second hold, and you just repeat that until you feel better again. Um, but that that's helped me tremendously. So even at like competitions and stuff, like you, you get that pre pre comp nerves, and just box breathing just brings me back to where I am. I'm here. Okay, let's just get it done. And before I go onto the mat, every time I compete, <laughs> I'm right by the edge of the mat, and I just go. <sighs> And that's it, and then I'm on. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the White Basement Podcast. Follow the show on Instagram at White Basement Pod. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And please do share the show, it helps us to grow. My guest today is Joe DeCortin, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt under Danny Lewis at St Albans Submission Grappling, where he is one of the head coaches. Joe is also a strength and conditioning coach, as well as a friend of Jolie Boyles, which is a great recommendation in <laughs> itself. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Second time lucky on my intro. <laughs> my professional uh, capacity as host. Um... Yeah, so you're you're training at St Albans. Yep. And you just got your black belt. I got my black belt in November, yeah. Um so can you can you run me through your martial arts history? Because that's normally a good place for yeah, people yeah. to start. So um I boxed as a kid. So that's that's kind of where it started. I had a bit of trouble with a group of boys when I was quite young and my mum was like, Right, you're gonna do judo or boxing and at the time I didn't want to do judo, I wanted to hit something, I thought it was cooler. You know, I'd watched all the Rockies and all that. So, got into boxing. Um, how old How old were you? Uh, so, maybe 11, 11 or 12. I was in year seven, so yeah, 11 or 12. And um, yeah, I fell in love with it. I mean, my first lesson, I just got made to jab for the whole hour. <laughs> so, I turned up and I was like, oh, I want a box, blah, blah, blah. And the coach goes, here's a bag. Um, I want you to jab. And I was like, uh, okay. And he showed me how to jab and then... I was expecting to learn punches and all this and he was jab, jab for the whole hour. My shoulder was numb. But yeah, that was good fun. I did that for a long time. 
Um, that is actually like, is it Rocky One where he's trying to go from Orthodox to Southport or South, and he and Mickey mate, ties his arm up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just makes him hit the bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's kinda, it. Yeah, it was like that. Yeah. Thing, right? yeah, so I was just hitting the bag constantly for an hour with one arm and my arm killed. And then I fell in love with it. Um, I did that for a long time, about seven years. Um, and then kind of got to a teenager, you know, discovered everything else being a teenager. So kind of stopped doing it for a little while. So I was at, I was working in a warehouse in my late teens. So maybe 18 or 19, I think I was. And the guy in there did like MMA. And we used to always banter like, oh, I'll, I'll smash you up. I'll fuck you up all this. And like, we like tussle and stuff in the, in the warehouse. And, um, and he was like, no, come down to the training, come, come down one day. And I was like, do you know what? Yeah, I will. And um, that's where I met Danny for the first time. So, was, it, was that to St. Albans? So that was at a place called the MMA Fight Center. And it was behind Body Limits Gym. They had their own little like warehouses, a few people that ran it. Um, Danny was at this particular class. Um, so I walk in, it's a typical like MMA gym, there's people rolling on the floor, there's a cage, people sparring, and I was like, yeah, this is this is cool. So we're doing a session, get to sparring, I'm with my mate, and they're like, I go in the cage with him, and um, he broke two of my ribs. <laughs> Kicked you? No, so he actually hit me with a punch, funny enough, and um, so we were, we were sparring, and then he slipped and hit me with a really heavy hook to the body, and broke my bottom two ribs on my left side. And uh, I kind of just fell in love with like MMA at that point. No punctured lung, nothing like that? No, nah, no, nah, it was all good. It was just like a massive bruise. I couldn't really move for a few, like <laughs> about a month or so. So that settled that debate. <laughs> so that settled that debate. <laughs> he, he beat me up. And um, yeah, I, I kind of fell in love with MMA, carried on going to the classes, found out when they were. Um, we didn't really do much jujitsu. We did a little bit. Um, so I, how, how long ago was this? Like what kind of oh, year? This is, so I, I'm 31 now. So I was about 18, 19, so, so uh, yeah. 14 years ago. Yeah, good, good while ago now. 2010, 20, 2009. Yeah. yeah, something like that. It's, it's a good, good while ago. And um, and we didn't really do much jujitsu. We did a little bit, like, but it was mainly MMA striking and stuff like that. And I think Dan was a blue belt at the time or got his blue belt around that time when I started training with him. It's funny to me because I, I sort of came... I, I started jiu-jitsu a while ago, yeah. probably around then, around that time. But I trained for about six months. I fucked my neck up. I couldn't train for about seven, eight years, and I, I had nothing to do with it, really. Yeah, yeah. And then when I sort of came back into it, it must have been like 20, I don't know, 17, 18, 19, around there. So obviously everyone was already like a black belt. You yeah, know, Nick yeah. was like a third degree and Jude and Danny, and like everyone was already kind of – well promoted but everyone who i have on to the podcast yeah. always tells me oh yeah when i started training roger was a blue belt and yeah, yeah. jude was a white belt and you know <laughs> whatever so it's really weird because you know i guess when you've seen people sort of go up through the ranks it's different to when you come in and they're just a black belt and they got their own yeah, club yeah and, you know, Ab absolutely you see it in a different way yeah yeah you see it completely differently and then yeah it kind of motivates you a bit when you see see it. well it does for me anyway like we're seeing my friends level up and then they're getting better. It always motivates me to do better and yeah. do more. Yeah, yeah. So, so were you? So when you when you started there at the MMA club, you there wasn't a lot of jujitsu. No, there was a little bit of like ground fighting and stuff, but it was it wasn't really a lot of jujitsu. There wasn't really a proper um, 
like head coach for jiu-jitsu at that point and MMA was still relatively like young and new and no one like no one really watched it there was a few people that did but it was still quite of a niche sport at the time um so was was there people competing from the gym there was then? a couple of people yeah yeah there was a couple um and then the gym actually shut down so the building shut down I think they didn't have enough members or something so we moved into body limits <clears throat> so we had like the back room at Body Limits. We just lay some mats down and do do our bits and bobs and sparring, which was quite funny because you know you've got Body Limits is a proper old school bodybuilding gym, and so you've got all these like big meatheads like pumping loads of weights, and then upstairs you've got people beating the shit out of each other, coming down with bloody noses, and yeah, it was good fun. Um, did you did you ever have any of them big boys coming into? Yeah, a few of them, but then they soon went back out because back the yeah they they didn't like it they got humbled pretty quick yeah and um yeah there was a few guys that did compete and stuff um we trained there for a bit and then i can't remember what happened but we had to stop training in there i think they were using a room for something else so they kind of knocked the studio down and put more bodybuilding machines or something in there um, so we ended up going to Fleetville Community Centre, which was literally a room. We had no mats. So when we were rolling, it was on the floor, like wooden floor. And uh, that was pretty tough. And then at that point, we were going to Ireland's once in a blue moon. So we'd go down there, get our jiu-jitsu rolls in and then come back and do our boxing and stuff there. Um, and then we did that for a little while. And then eventually it kind of all faded out um, and the basement martial arts opened in St. Albans. So that was part, at the time it was part of, I think it was Force. I can't remember. It was um, Ollie, Ben Hodge and someone else owned it. I can't remember. Um, but they opened a, a, a second club in St. Albans called The Basement and we all kind of just went there and trained there. And... Um, that's where uh, I like met Louis Carraza as well. Um, so I remember him at White Belt um, and plenty of other people. But yeah, Danny was there, Cornell was there, um, and Leo Quiros, Quiro, I can't kind of say his last name, but he was the head coach at that time. So we trained there until that place shut down. <laughs> and then I kind of got into bodybuilding and I kind of stopped training jujitsu for a little while. I'd, I'd done one competition. I'd had one stripe on my white belt and um, I love jiu-jitsu, but I wanted to get hench. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. So when that gym shut down, me and my mate just joined Body Limits and just started getting getting massive and jiu-jitsu was very sporadic. And then like you said, um, you, you, you saw your everyone level up. Like all of a sudden, Louis was a, a brown belt and Danny was a brown belt. And I'm like fuck like I, I i could have been up there if i'd stayed consistent and um and then yeah and then danny opened st albans up again and i started training there and then worked my way so, so when up. did you get back into st albans maybe four years after three or four years after um the basement shut down so, so how long have you have you been there now That's what st albans. albans yeah uh, i can't remember six six or seven years and then did yeah. you, did you just go back in with and a white belt? hard, yeah, yeah. yeah. And went, went in a white belt and then just went hard training every single day, two, three times a day. I was going there at 6 a.m., going to work, coming back, going to the gym. And then, yeah, 
it kind of just took over my life for a long time. Still has, to be honest. So, so with the bodybuilding, yeah. How how so? How much do you weigh now, and how much did you get up to? So at the moment, I weigh ninety kilos. I was eighty eight before Christmas, which is the weight I want to be at. Right. But you know, Christmas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I eat a lot of food, um, but I got up to ninety eight kilos. Okay. So I was pretty heavy. I was pretty big. Um, I did, was. Did you compete or anything? I was looking to. But when I spoke to the coaches and stuff, they all said that I needed to get on the extra source if I actually stood a chance. Yeah. And it put me off it for the health reasons. I I did consider it for a long time. I spent about two years researching it. But it, you need to be a chemist to, to do it all, really. Like, you have to do a cycle and then you have to do a post-cycle, otherwise your hormones mess up. And it's like one of them things, once you start, that that's the rest of your life yeah and i was still quite young so i was like well let's see how far i can get and then go from there um so that put me off competing in bodybuilding as well as um it's very subjective so you diet down like kill yourself with these diets get on stage for someone to go actually i think that person looks better than you and you're like well no it doesn't <laughs> I yeah. mean, in your mind, of course, he doesn't. But I, I think I think that probably like the the training around bodybuilding is like a it's like a universal. Most guys at some point want to look like he man toy. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, I think I think actually like the getting to the competitive level is a whole different kind of ball game because i've had a couple of guys on um who who had done amateur bodybuilding shows um and marcel particularly who trains at um rga south hearts with sandeep um he he i think he competed at a national level won a few titles sort of amateur level you know he's looking at his photos i mean it just looks like a smallish pro bodybuilder it yeah, looks amazing yeah. But you know, he was saying like he, he he would eat. I think he was saying like he'd eat broccoli, chicken, and ketchup, like just six meals a day, like yeah, seven days a week. Very just, repetitive. Just yeah. have that. Get up, train, do, eat this, da, da, da. and it's like, yeah, okay. I mean, it, it's it's not complicated, but it's so difficult to yeah, be that. Yeah. It's, sort it's just the consistent diet. Yeah. discipline. And it's a lot of it is diet, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's all diet. The training's relatively little. It's like one or two hours a day yeah um and then the rest is just diet and it's like you say sort of repetitiveness eating all that food so so what was what was your what was your diet because i'm sure there are still a lot of people listening to this myself included even though i'm old now thinking i wouldn't mind getting a bit bigger yeah. but what, what was your what did your diet and your training look like when you went from you know whatever you were up to yeah 98? yeah so I, well when i started i was i was like so my first competition was um under 72 kilos BJJ Con. BJJ Con. Right. So that's how that's how small I was. So thirty then, kilos more or less. Yeah, yeah. And I got up to ninety eight. So um, yeah, it was quite a big. Obviously, that was a long period of time. It wasn't over how long? Uh, well, that's years. It took me years to get to ninety eight. I managed to get up to eighty within like twelve weeks, but a lot of it would have been water, right? Um, because I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just I found this program on uh, the bodybuilding. Oh, what is it called? bodybuilding something and it was like everybody looked at it because the internet was still young instagram didn't really exist yeah, it was yeah. just pictures um there was a few youtube videos but it wasn't it wasn't many so everything was on forums still um and i got this workout from this forum and then i was doing that and doing a diet from it <laughs> and i went down to holland the barrett and i just bought 
it, like it was like oh the top 10 um supplements for building mass i bought them all <laughs> and they just took them all and i was i was taking like 10 10 of these like desiccated liver amino acids all of this all this stuff I, you don't really need um just in an attempt to try and get big and just eating loads of pasta and tuna and that was pretty much it it's kind of funny how it how it works with the the bodybuilding advertising like you as the, as the receiver of that as a young man because you know I remember I'm, I'm I'm a bit older than you but I remember when it used to be Muscle and Fitness and Flex magazine yeah, yeah, yeah. both owned by Wider and there, there was nothing else there was literally there wasn't any internet internet didn't even exist but it was just Muscle and Fitness and Flex and so it was just these giant roided up dudes <laughs> saying like Take, take this, this protein supplement. Powder, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this green tea pill or whatever. <laughs> and you knew it was bullshit, but you still bought it. Yeah. You still yeah, were yeah. like, well, you know, if Lee Haney takes it, I'm going to take it. Like, yeah. You know, you, you, you know, kind of deep down, you know, it's not going to do anything, but you're still like, fuck it. I'll just, yeah. I'll buy it I, anyway. I remember being 16 and, um, I didn't know anything. I just like, you know, saw Arnie films and Rocky and that. And I thought, oh, yeah, I want to be, I want to be like that. And um, I remember looking through the Argos catalogue and I used to sell supplements in there and I bought this creatine powder and it was like, I was 14, no, was I 16 or 14? I must have been younger than 16, so I remember it said for 16 plus and then like I hid it in my room so I didn't want my mum to find it. I thought I was being <laughs> taking, it, taking this powder it tasted like crap. It didn't do anything, but Yeah, all funny. the, I mean, I think the, a lot of the sort of supplements now, protein powders and protein bars and whatever, they're reasonably tasty. Mm. Like, I can't remember, I had someone else on and we were talking about, maybe with Marcel, talking about like the original like protein powders and... and yeah, um, they tasted like crap. Oh, man. They were horrible. You couldn't mix them. Yeah. It'd like break your blender. Even <laughs> yeah. in a blender, it would just destroy it. You know, your mum would then, be like, what the fuck is yeah, this? Yeah, and then in? you get that big clump of powder <laughs> hit the back of your throat. Oh, yeah, that was horrible. Yeah, yeah, the stuff now is reasonably, reasonably yeah, tasty. Yeah, it's much better. Yeah, and like you say, all the bars, like they've got... Like the grenade ones, they've got Oreo and yeah, yeah, they're yeah. really nice. Yeah, but they are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you go, like you say, you go back and you're like, wow. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> I was, was, I was bad. eating this crap. <laughs> so so when, when you actually made like the gains and, and started getting bigger and stronger and whatever, what, what, what did your training look like and what did your diet look like? So I was training six days a week. Um, I was doing three strength days, having a break and then three hypertrophy days. So... Yeah, I'd, I'd work on my strength on the first three days. So it'd be like a push-pull legs. Um, and it would just be like real heavy compound lifts. And then I'd have a day off. And then the next three days would be more rep stuff and building up that way. So like the strength stuff would be how many reps? Like three, like five, five, five reps. Five. Yeah, yeah. Like five, and then, five, and then, and then five kind of me. Yeah, the program I did was called Project Mass. That's the one. That's the one I found on the website. Um, and... It had all this other stuff in it as well, like blood flow circular. Um, oh, what was it called? Blood flow restriction training and all this kind of oh, stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, we do the yeah, yeah, we do the bands. Yeah, yeah. Um, slow reps. It had this, something called intraset stretching, which is where you do your reps, then you let it stretch on the muscle, and then you do it some more. All the, I didn't really know any of this. I was just reading this page I printed out, and like, oh, okay, I need to do this. I need to do this. So I didn't really know what I was doing, but it worked. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of newbie gains. So obviously when someone first starts in the gym or training properly and eating well, they're 
the first, them first two years, they're going to blow up like crazy. And then after that, it kind of becomes a lot harder to start putting on weight and muscle because your body's used to that, you know, because the body adapts. So when you first hit it with all this new training stimulus, it's like, oh shit, I need to adapt to this. And then it finally adapts to it and you're like, well, no, I need to push it further. And it's, mm. it becomes harder for the body um, yeah, I think you've got, change. You, you've got like a like an envelope that your body's reasonably comfortable in. Yeah. You know, a lightest, the heaviest, yeah, fattest, yeah. thinnest, whatever. And then at, anything outside of that becomes very difficult to hold on to. Yes. Like if you're trying to get really lean or really big, you know, you, 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 you I think that's when you do get into those kind of situations where like you've got to eat like a certain times and certain hours and count everything and you know because most people i mean i, I guess you you'd probably find the same thing most people can say yeah i can go between this weight and that way and it's it's kind of reasonable yeah. i could put a little bit on i lose a little bit i kind of feel all right and, and whatever but going outside of those parameters is is difficult yeah yeah absolutely yeah i mean i think that, i think that's the thing as well that's a little bit difficult with um so, doing a sport as well, so something like jiu-jitsu, or I guess any fight sport particularly, where you've kind of got like an optimum weight that your your body will find. Yeah. Unless you're trying to do stuff to modify your body weight. Yes. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. if you're training jiu-jitsu, I don't know, five times a week and you're kind of eating three or four times a day and sleeping eight hours and whatever, you kind of find yeah, your body, a weight, Your right? body will settle into where it, where yeah. it needs to be. Yeah, yeah. it's difficult to... To, to then to push it back up, yeah. And or, then that's, or, or down one. Yeah, that's just where you just have to push it up slowly. Yeah. Um, so so what, what, what have you kind of settled on now between your... Because you said then when you went back to jiu-jitsu, you kind of jumped into that two, three times a day, whatever. Yeah, but what yeah. have you settled on now in terms of like your jiu-jitsu training or fight training against strength and conditioning? So I only lift two or three days a week now. Um, and then the focus is on jiu-jitsu because the focus is skills now. I don't need to be as big as I can possibly get. So if that was the goal, then I'd be training every day again, you know, lift, well, sorry, lifting every day. But because that's not the goal, I don't need to do that. I just need to be strong enough, build enough strength um, for jiu-jitsu, build enough speed and explosive power. So the training's completely changed from bodybuilding because that, that's actually a massive misconception that for some reason fighters want to train like bodybuilders. Um, I think it probably stems from, that's just what you know. You know, like you say, we, we had the Flex magazines, then the old school YouTube, the old school Instagram. It was all about building muscle mass. But... The muscle mass will come anyway, but we don't need to train like a bodybuilder. The volume is going to kill you on the mats because you think about when you're holding someone's gi and you're pulling in, you're doing a lot of isometric strength. You're really um, working it anyway. So you're doing a lot of essentially reps while training jiu-jitsu. So you don't need to go to the gym and then do more of that. You're just going to burn yourself out. So now I just do two days a week, maybe, like maybe a third day if I feel there's something that I need to work on a bit more. On those, on those two days, what 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 does that look like? What 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 split are you doing, and how much volume are you doing? So I'm doing a it's called condensed conjugate, and this is something that I learned from Phil Daru. So I did um, his mentorship, um, and that's how I learned how to train fighters and stuff like that. And basically, you're working strength, speed, speed, strength. You're building the explosiveness. <clears throat> sorry, um, as well as power. So the general workout would be I do a dynamic warm-up where I work on my mobility, um, any kind of problem areas. So 
for me, I've torn my meniscus before, so I have to spend a little bit more time making sure my knees are warm. So I do a little bit more of that. But so let's say it's Tuesday and Thursday. So Tuesday would be my dynamic warm up. I'd then do a um, ballistic exercise, which is like a throw in of a medicine ball or slam, something like that. And that works the explosive like power. Like a whole body kind of exercise. Yeah, yeah. So it'd be like slams or rotational slams thrown into the wall or chest throws into the floor, something like that. It would just be an upper body ballistic exercise. Then I'd work, it's called dynamic effort, and that's where I work my speed, and that would be squats. So this would be eight sets of like two reps um, with a 30-second rest. And the idea is to have the bar speed nice and fast. Up, down, up, down, the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then like you can work your speed, and your the weight's about 50% of your one rep max, and then it, it goes up each week um, before it comes back down. Um, and then that's going to work the speed. And sometimes you might add bands to the edge to get like accommodating resistance so it gets harder at the top, stuff like that. So yeah, about eight sets, two reps, 30 seconds rest. So it's still quite, you know, you'll feel a bit out of breath when you're doing it and you're working on that explosiveness. And then we go into the force production of it. So that's when we do our max effort lifts. So that'll be like a five by five bench press because um, that's where we're, we're working all our force production. So... If it's like, if you wanted to make it more sports specific, you could do a floor press for jujitsu because obviously we're on the floor a lot and then you're pressing from there. You're never like up on a bench and pressing from here. It's always on the floor, elbows in, and then you can throw them off. So once you've done that, obviously that would then go up each week as well. So that's say, I think it's like 80% 80, 80 of your one rep max and then each week go up by 5%. And then you go back down. <laughs> so how many, how many, so what's the, what's the... So it's like a four week. Up and then four weeks down? So nah, so we go, so we'd, we'd go up each week for the fourth week. So you hit like a new PB on your fourth week. And then we're going to change the main lift exercise. So your main lifts are your max effort lifts. So yeah, so we've got our dynamic effort, um, sorry, our dynamic warm up, ballistic exercise. Then we go into our dynamic, our speed squats. Then we have our max effort, um, like bench press. We then do an auxiliary exercise that would accompany that. So it could be something that's going to make your bench press better. So we might work the back a little bit. We might work, maybe it's your triceps need to be a little bit stronger. It's just an auxiliary, um, an accessory for that main lift. Could even be like chest flights just to get a little bit more endurance into the area. After that, we'd finish with a circuit that normally has two muscular endurance stuff which is your rep work, basically. So that's where you're going to build a little bit of muscle and muscular endurance because that's how you're going to be able to keep pushing people off in jiu-jitsu, things like that, with some abs and then finish with a little bit of core and neck. Then the Thursday, it would be the same but lower. So you're, you wouldn't have ballistic, you'd have a plyometric and then the dynamic effort would be your bench press. So you'd be doing your speed on that day. And then your max effort would be a squat or deadlift. Okay. So, so it's like, it's lower like, body, it's like you have body, like an upper focus, and... but it, they're both full body, yes. but you have like an upper focus yeah, and a mean. lower focus. And then, like I say, if you need to have the repetition day, like the third day, then you can just to work on a few like weak areas. So say you had um, weak calves or weak arms, then you could do that extra stuff on the repetition day. And, and would then, that just be more traditional? 
Yeah, that's just like, yeah. So it'd just be like a, a load of leg leg extensions, leg curls, maybe some bicep curls, a sled push or something like that, just to keep the athleticism in there. But you don't want to have your cardio on the same day because um, you're going to start pulling the organism in two different directions. So you, we're trying to make the body adapt, right? So if we start lifting like this, yeah. if we if we start lifting. Um, doing our max effort work, then we need to make sure if we're going to do cardio on that day, then we have the same time period. So if it takes us 10 seconds to get that that heavy deadlift up, then we need to be doing 10 second intervals on the on the like row machine or bike or something like that. So we're not confusing our body, if that makes sense. Because your body will adapt, but we're trying to optimize, right? So, so do you have like kind of within that program... Do you have like, um, would you would you let's say tailor the 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 work time, the amount of work within sets or exercises or whatever, to mimic what you would get in jujitsu? So like, I don't know, maybe twenty seconds is is a about the maximum amount when you have a crazy scramble. After that, you're going to kind of settle and then you've got to have a bit of active recovery and then there's going to be a bit of a fight. Yeah, again. yeah, uh, yeah, you can do. Like if you, when you're doing your conditioning, you can set your intervals up like that. So you can do like your 20-second bursts and then have like 30 seconds off or it could be 10-second bursts, 20 seconds, 30 seconds off. Because like you say, you, you have these massive scrambles and then all of a sudden there's a pin and you have to relax, you know, you're on top, that's where you get your breath back and then all of a sudden they might try and press out so you scramble again. So yeah, yeah, you do. You you'd set your your conditioning up that way. And so so, what's the name of that program? So that's like a conjugate base. So it's a con so conjugates like four days a week, but Phil created this condensed version where it's two or three days. Um, and is 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 the, is the template for that available somewhere? Is it, is it, yeah, yeah, I, I can send you a template of it. It's yeah. quite simple. Um, so can, or you can, can go on Phil's YouTube. He's got loads of stuff on it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if you if you send me the details, I'll put Phil's link to Phil's YouTube up here. Yeah, if you're watching yeah. on YouTube. Now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. So how how did you find that that program? Did you try like a bunch of different things and you just sort of settled so on that? I was just looking for a program that would be good for fighters and good for jujitsu and just surfing the internet. And I come across conjugate. Didn't really understand it. I just kind of started trying to do it. The the typical one. And then that led me to discovering Phil DeRue. Um, he obviously trains um, Dustin Poirier and other UFC fighters. Um, and he was putting loads of stuff on his YouTube. And then he was doing a mentorship. And originally it was only like in Florida or something like that. So you'd have to go out there. And I was like, okay, well, maybe one day, but I'll just you know watch his YouTube for now. And then we had like lockdown and stuff and he made it more online. So then, yeah, that's when I signed up. So it was all in lockdown. I started learning proper strength conditioning for fighters because before that it was kind of just, I was I was in the right direction, but I didn't know it, if that made sense. Like, you know, when you're you're kind of doing the right thing, but you don't, don't really, know why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so you I was like, results and you wonder yeah, yeah. So I was, yeah. I was like there, but I wasn't really there. So, yeah. and then I did that and I learned so much. So what, what, how, what, what did that program look like? 
the, or the, the mentorship. The mentorship yeah. So it was, he'd give you homework like every week. It was like being in school again. So were you, was it like once a week you're on a seminar or something? Yeah, so once a week he did, he does, he still do weekly calls actually. Um, so I can still jump in them now and ask him questions if I wanted to, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so it was weekly calls and then after the weekly calls, it would be like, okay, you've done this part of the program. Now read this book and we're going to discuss it next week in the, in the, in the call, whatever. And then you talk to him about it. He'd tell you a bit and you go back and research some more and then you do this. And then you had to send him, um, a video of you doing like essentially a consultation, a whole movement prep thing, um, a whole evaluation of your fighter and things like that. So it was, it was quite in depth, um, and then at the end of it, you have to write a program for a fighter. Um, so did, was that like a real fighter, or they give you like a? No, it was a real fighter. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you, if you didn't have a fighter, then you could kind of just say, okay, there's there's a hypothetical event in this time that he's going to be doing this. He has this, this, and this is a weakness. But because I was already training people at that point, I managed to use my clients and do it through them. Um, and I also had another, there was another guy on the mentorship, um, Darren, and he lived in Hartford. So we used to meet up quite a lot and go through a lot of things together. Oh, nice. Um, that helped me massively, actually, because sometimes you just need to bounce ideas back off someone else who's doing the same thing. Yeah, and see also like what feedback they're getting from their people that they're training. Exactly, and Well, yeah. I suppose in lockdown, it's more difficult, right? Cause... Yeah, but we were still doing stuff outside and, and things like that, but... Um, well, luckily the weather was lovely, wasn't it? <laughs> it's was the the best summer Britain's ever had. <laughs> it, it, it was it was crazy. I mean, well, I, we haven't talked about this for a while, but uh, on the earlier episodes, I talked about it quite a lot. That we, because I'm an optician for work, okay, so we, yeah. we we shut for a week uh, for a month, which was I don't know maybe April, March or April, whenever they started the lockdown, we shut yeah. for a month, and then we reopened. But when we reopened. It was more like telephone consultations and, you know, they didn't really want people coming in and out of the store. So we were in the back of a Tesco store. Um, and it was, our unit was literally like barricaded off with roll cages. <laughs> so people couldn't even get in. And we were, we were there Monday to Friday, I think 10 till 5. Mainly it would be the phone or people would email saying, couldn't look at this picture of my eye, you know, what do I need yeah, to do? Yeah. And, but we'd have a, like a two-hour lunch break. And it was like really hot, yeah, and yeah. the and the, it, the it's like a Tesco and a Marks and Spencers, you know, like those big out of town yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of things. So the Marks and Spencer car park was kind of a, a little bit isolated. So I just used to take my towels, take my my yoga mat, and just go and sunbathe for yeah, like two hours at lunchtime. Be lying there in my little pants, getting a <laughs> getting a suntan. Yeah, it was it was a fucking weird. It time, was a man. proper weird time. I had to. My missus worked in Marks and Spencers during the whole of lockdown, and um, so I was at home teaching the kids. So obviously we couldn't train people outside at the beginning of it. So that was all online. So all my clients went online, and I was <laughs> I was teaching my kids and. Uh, Bless him. I feel sorry for him now because you know when uh, when you were a kid and you were doing the maths homework and your parent was shouting at you because you were getting it wrong. You're all like tears. It was like that at one point, and I I remember he was crying. I was like, Why don't you get it? This is this is. And I had this little whiteboard set up, and I was like, Look, it's here. How can you not get this? And he's he's getting a bit upset. And then like I, you know, you flash back to it as a kid, and I was like, 
It's all right, mate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah teaching, it's all right. We, you'll get it one day. Doing PT for fighters is not the same as <laughs> teaching your son. No, that, yeah, so. I had a whole new respect for teachers teaching primary school kids. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah, there's a funny meme. I don't know if you've seen it. It's, it's not. It's not exactly that, but it's the other way around. I think it's like uh, it's two two monkeys, and one of them's got like a really sad face or whatever, and it, it says something like me looking at my kids homework where he got three out of ten no, the I one did, that yeah. I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. It, it was like that so yeah in the in the first one they didn't have google classroom they they were just putting the work up they weren't doing the videos um so then that was quite tough and then the second time the second lockdown come around that was all the teachers were there so yeah. they just did it all through the computer but yeah it was a weird time we, so, so did you did you manage to to still be kind of busy training clients but just doing it remotely yeah yeah so i was training a few clients remotely um it was awkward because i didn't really know what i was doing with the computer wise like i had my tablet set up and then it would freeze and it's like well, okay did, did you do your reps did that happen or then they'd start doing something and they'd be underneath the camera and I'm like are they doing it are they sitting there yeah. and it become very hard to manage um it wasn't impossible we could still do it but it's just the level of coaching wasn't wasn't there that I wanted yeah wanted I to think be. it's very difficult when it's not face to face just, yeah, just yeah. kind of feeling the energy and the watching all the little micro movements and yeah yeah exactly you lose all those all that feedback yeah, so it it was busy. It worked, and then when we could go outside, that was it. I, everyone went outside. I was like, Nah, we're not doing no more online stuff. Um, but funnily enough, I actually had to do some online stuff in December because I work at another gym in Northwood um, and just teach fitness stuff. Um, but they had a flood, so it's like a boutique gym. So the members come in. It's like six people. And it's like a PT session, but with six people. And because the gym shut, they pushed everything online just until they refurbed it. And so I was back in my living room for three hours. Like, yeah, okay, that's it. Do your reps. <laughs> I mean, it's good for them. They still managed to come in and they, they could do a workout. Yeah. But I was just sitting there thinking, I, I remember how much I hated this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a, it wasn't a great time. So are you doing the, you're doing sort of strength and conditioning stuff full time? Yes, teaching, yeah, coaching, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, like I say, I teach down at that gym um, once a week, just doing like they're just like abs and core classes, a lifting class, sometimes a, a little bit of boxing stuff, um, and then the rest of it's all at like St Albans. So we have a strength conditioning class on a Saturday, which is kind of like a general physical preparedness kind of thing, just for anyone can join. I did do a thing for the English, um, the English Open, where we got a few people and we did like a proper little camp, which which worked out well. Got a couple of medals from it, um, but yeah, the main the main bulk of the strength and conditioning is like one to ones, and then the class on a Saturday, which is quite interesting because obviously you can't shout at a room of people and expect them all to react, um, and this is where like the mentorship helped me because he taught me that it was like you're not co even when you talk, teach a class you're teaching individuals in that class you're not teaching a group of people you're teaching them individually and so you have to find how each individual person learns so for instance in the strength and conditioning class if i shout 
say I shouted at you and that got you pumped and you could do them extra reps. But I go and shout, shout at um, Jane and Jane shuts down. Jane doesn't like getting shouted at. So I have to go over to Jane and be like, okay, just do a couple more reps. We're nearly there. We're nearly at the end. Whereas someone else thinks, come on, fucking move. You know what I mean? So you learn to teach people differently to their personality archetypes. So is that something that you... was Did, did, did they teach you like a, a template to use to figure that out? Or it's like, no, after three weeks of seeing who responds and who doesn't you you figure it out you kind of so you can do a test yourself it's called the braverman test um takes about 20 minutes just an online multiple choice and that will tell you what archetype you are okay. obviously you can only do it once because if you do it again you could change the answers um but i don't get everyone to do that that's kind of like uh, the one-to-one -one clients that really want to level themselves up because a lot of people you can just tell um but that's, that's kind of the best way to find out what they truly are. And then you can teach them accordingly and things like that. And so Phil taught all that in the mentorship and he talked about certain archetypes. Um, and so he called them like the warrior. What was the other one? There's the warrior, something else. But they have more, one has more dopamine, one has more like acetylcholine, and they, they all learn differently. So literally like physiological Physiological differences. differences in how you learn and how you react and how you push yourself. So someone who's dopamine driven, they're going to really push themselves to the limit and they will break themselves in the gym. Um, whereas someone who's a bit more GABA dominant, you need to explain to them why they need to break themselves in the gym. So that's where that shouting at someone, so someone who's dopamine driven, I'll be like, come on, push yourself, and they're going to push themselves as long as I keep shouting at them. And then the other person who's more um, GABA or acetylcholine, they need to understand why they're pushing themselves. So it's not that the dopamine driven person doesn't want to understand, it's just in that moment in time, all they need is someone to say, yeah, push, push harder, push harder. And then the other person just, well, yeah, but why do I need to push harder? And then that's giving them motivation to move forward. Interesting. Yes, we've, we've talked about a little bit on the podcast about different, um, when you hear like the corners in between rounds. Yeah. So when I, I mean, UFC is the main thing that I watch. But, you know, sometimes in between rounds, the corners are like shouting and screaming at the fighter. And yeah. in other ones, they're just saying, okay, you know, it's going well, you know, yeah. you need to make sure you're keeping your hand up and... And yeah, then and calling it, the other guy, what about you? Oh, it's very nice. Just remember the footwork, you know. Yeah, and it'll be it'll be their personality type. So yeah. a lot of coaches, a lot of good coaches actually do it without realising they're doing it. And it's again, it's that thing of they're doing something, but they don't know why they're doing it. They, they just, they do it. So they've noticed that they can shout at, shout at you, but they can't shout at Jane and, and things like that. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think I think there's, there's good coaching, a, a lot of it, sort of can be intuition yeah but i think the the where it where it falls short if you don't know the actual sort of theory behind it is that you can't really teach someone else to be a good coach yeah because you yeah. don't really know how you do it you're like well it's just experience right you, <laughs> you'll know after 15 yeah, years yeah. of how to approach people but you know with this kind of system by the sounds of it he's really kind of distilled down all the little pieces. Yeah. So he can just say, right, do the course and I can kind of give you 80% of, of everything I've got within, within that course. Yeah, and the other 20%, yeah, you know, that's on you to, to gain the experience and tailor it your own little, little way. So, so how long did that course 
that Wrong so course. the course itself is supposed to take like three to six months but it took it took me a year um just because i was doing the kids home to schooling and trying to run a business as well <laughs> so can you can you sort of do that at your own pace that yeah course? yeah you can do it at your own pace and kind of pick up and and choose it and that but um but yeah we've we've now we've still got like a book club a group book club on like telegram um we've got a chat with phil's in it all the other coaches so if there's any something that someone's not sure on you can just type it in the group and so it's like oh i've got a guy here he's broken his big toe does anyone have any ways to still spar around it? And then someone will come up, oh, yeah, we've got this, this and this, or I've got this book. Um, so between us, we've got a whole library of coaching books. Um, nice. There's a good one on the, the personality stuff called um, Conscious Coaching by Brett Bartholomew. And I'd recommend that to anyone who wants to actually coach people because that really changed how I interact with my clients and students in the gym and that made me want to well it, it, obviously you want to be a better coach and that's why you read these things but it really helped me um, connect with people on the mats so it, it could even be something like in jujitsu some people respond better to you telling them how to do it others respond to you showing them so for instance i might show a delaheva sweep in the class but then someone's not getting it. So I'd have to go over there and then I'd get them to do it next to me. So I'm like, okay, you hold the collar here. Oh, I'm going to hold the pants, right? You copy me. Now we're going to do this. Now we're going to do this. And then they get it. Whereas someone else just needs to be told or they just need to just go and do it. Yeah, so, so this, this, was, this is quite interesting actually because I, I had uh, David Denuma in and he was saying that he it, within the gym he's got two whiteboards and, and he, uh, I don't know whether he said the CCTV or he's got a video camera, whatever. So he will, when he's when he's teaching the techniques, he will obviously explain what the technique is. He will show it. He will write it on the whiteboard, and then it will be videoed so people can go back and watch it afterwards. I love that. Yeah, That's so he's, he's saying like you know he's he's kind of covered because he, he he on that kind of the model that I. I think I would say I still subscribe to, you know, some people are visual learners, some people are auditory, etc. You know, I find it very difficult to read a lot of stuff. I can yeah, listen yeah. to things I'm, all day. I'm like that, yeah. yeah if, I, if I read, I've got like 20 minutes and I'll go to sleep. Yeah. Whereas if I'm listening, I'm, I can I can stay with it. Um, so so he that he sort of uses that um, that way to cover those, those bases and so that whoever taps into different ways or some people find it easier to, to use too you know I can see it written and then okay grab the pants whatever whatever but then I had Ed Ingemels in and he said um, the the more recent research is that there there's no such thing as people who sort of learn in different ways um, and I and I think I, for my myself personally, I still find you know some some things are easier for me to absorb than others. And my wife trains, and she's the same. You know, I'll, I'll tell her something, and she's like, "I can't understand what you're telling me. Like, you need to show me like which leg you're talking about." I'm like, "That leg." She's like, "Yeah, yeah. Which leg? <laughs> you know, so yeah, so your right leg. No, your other right. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I am terrible with my left <laughs> and right. But 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 maybe like a a, a little bit of um of a of a side question i guess on that on that methodology methodology of teaching 
I don't know whether you, whether you're familiar with the stuff that Ed's been doing recently, which is this kind of ecological dynamics, where it's much more like um, problem solving yeah, yeah. rather than giving people stuff to work on. Yeah. So rather than I, teaching a sweep, yeah, you're yeah. saying you start in this position and then get on top. Yeah, yeah. And then do that for 10 minutes with your partner and let's see how it goes. And then, okay, how did it go? No, I'm still stuck on the bottom. Okay, think about this, you know, think about your hip structure or whatever. Let's, let's do another 10 minutes. So you're kind of really forcing people to... to to like figure out the sweep on their own almost yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and 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 learn it the way that it works for them because that's the only way they actually manage to shift their partner and then come back and look at it again and tidy it up a bit and you know he's, he's got a lot of other sort of bits and bobs that he's he's doing around that but i just found that quite an interesting way of teaching because jiu-jitsu brazilian jiu-jitsu particularly but i think i think probably a lot of martial arts you know you a lot of people they teach it the way they were taught yes and that 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 kind of brazilian way of teaching aside from the (laughs) aside from the clicking you know it's kind of like i'm going to show you a technique and then you're going to do it and then i'm going to show you another one you're going to do it and then we're going to spar yeah yeah yeah. and that's that's a class that's how you do that for 10 years you'll get black belt that's that's how we learn but it's interesting you know, in the same way that that um, jujitsu itself has has like flourished into something much more intricate and detailed and varied and whatever than it was. Yes. You know, twenty years ago, it was a powerful system, but with I don't know, like thirty techniques in it. You know, Hoist Gracie UFC one. It was. Closed guard, open guard, arm scissor bars. sweep, arm bar, <laughs> rear naked choke. Yeah, it was yeah, pretty, yeah. pretty kind of rudimentary stuff. And now, you know, if you look at a kind of tenth planet, call it in inverted commas, you know, yeah, yeah. truck to this to that to electric. Well, I'm sure chair they just to, make up new names yeah. anyway. But, you, you've got to be a stoner yeah. in California, right, to yeah. really, really dig it. But, but you know, I think in the same way that jiu-jitsu itself has grown into something sort of completely like like a whole world a whole new world yeah yeah i think the coaching has to kind of move with it adapt with it yeah yeah yeah. you you can't sort of stick with oh well this is what we used to do 20 years ago because i think really by that same measure then you would say well we just stick with our old jiu-jitsu yeah, yeah. there's there's that kind of fractal in everything isn't there like everything sort of follows these same kind of a new spiral and a new spiral and a, and a new yeah, spiral yeah. so so that that um conjugate system that you're teaching that that was something that this guy had developed just through coaching Phil, and Phil developed so Phil so Louis Simmons um he's the he was the owner of West West Side Barbell yeah yeah so he created conjugate well, uh, I'd I knew, say I knew, he, I didn't, knew he, the, didn't, he didn't create it. He kind of discovered what the Soviets were doing and took that's, it that's and made it his own. Yeah, I knew, yeah. I knew I'd heard it. And I was trying to yeah, think, yeah. like, what was it there always from old bodybuilding stuff? No, like yeah, was, Louis Simmons. Louis Simmons. Because yeah. they used to have, a, like, a strength day and a speed day, right? Exactly. That's conjugate. The, gotcha. That's conjugate, yeah. yeah. So Phil went and studied under him. He right. got um, certified by Louis himself. Um, Louis and, and Phil were mates. Um, and then Phil just developed his own thing more towards combat sports because a lot of people use conjugate for like baseball and things like that. But so is Phil, is he a big powerlifter dude? 
Because there was one he's guy. A, he's a shortish powerlifter. Oh, well, yeah, he is pretty big, actually. Because there was a he's guy pretty, pretty I remember muscle. who used to be, he used to do more of the sort of social media side of things for Louis Simmons yeah. out of Westside Barbell. I'm just wondering whether it's him. Maybe he did. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That but I remember, did, did you I, listen I to the Louis Simmons when he was on Rogan? Yeah, but it was a while ago. It was, in case any of you guys are listening, go go back and listen to Louis Simmons on Joe Rogan. Yeah, it was probably 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. But it was, he, he owned this gym called Westside Barbell, which was the strongest gym in the world, right? They had the yeah, most yeah, they're, they're, world record they have holders. the best powerlifters, yeah. In, in one place in, in the world. And um, he was just like a, like a single-mindedly like get strong. Yeah. No, you know, he. I remember Rogan was like asking him about testosterone, TRT yeah, yeah. and stuff. And he was like, yeah, I take loads of it. Yeah, yeah. It's like the more you take, the stronger you get. And he's like, what about your health? He's like, I don't give a shit. Yeah, well, he broke, he broke his stronger. back, didn't he? And then and then come back from it. And that was, yeah, and that was the reverse hyper. The reverse right? hyper, yeah. That. My mate's got one of them in his garage. I, 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 I built myself because I, I herniated my disc. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I listened to that um, Louis Simmons. And I, all, what I did, because I've, I've only got a real small space, but I, I got a couple of bits of uh, four by two yeah. and some marine ply and made like a frame that would fit on the pins. So yeah, like yeah. a platform that I could lie my body on. Nice. Hang my legs off and then just uh, elastic band around and the front of the rack and I would just up, do it with yeah. an elastic. Yeah, you can do, do something similar with a bench as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I remember him saying on that um, on that podcast that he tore his he tore his bicep completely off. Yeah, yeah. And he went to the the surgeon, and they were saying like about surgery, and you'll be out for this and that. And he said, I went back, and I just worked out like, do I need my bicep for bench press, Squat deadlift? deadlift. No. Yeah. Yeah, didn't, so he didn't get it fixed. Matter. Yeah, he just was rolled up to him. Yeah, he was like, yeah. fuck it. I well, have you ever saw him walking around? Like, he had so much knowledge, but <laughs> but like the way he walked is, yeah, he was he was fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, he he walked like you know he had that Val Kilmer Batman. Yeah, where he where he turned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. But yeah, yeah, cool he, guy. That, yeah, they they had some real real strong dudes over there. Yeah, and I did. I did actually do a bit of that type of training for a while, and I did actually make quite surprising strength gains. Yeah, yeah. Just it, it's it's weird when you do the speed training. Like when you do normal training, you can you can kind of feel when you're working hard. Yeah, so you can feel yeah, the lactic yeah. acid, and you can you know. But the speed training is difficult because it's like. You always feel like you can go a bit faster if you can just like yeah, yeah. tap into it like better, more get the tap into your neurons better. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's a weird thing. It's yeah, good. I, 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 I think actually I would I wouldn't mind trying to have another go at that if it, I if I could fit good, that into yeah. a couple of days a week. Yeah, just three three days a week, two two at the minimum, and then three at the three at the most. Yeah, and it, it works really well. Because you're just constantly making, you're essentially hitting a new PB every fourth week. Because then you just change out your main lift. Yes. So you'd still be doing a deadlift. It's just you change from a conventional to a sumo, or you change from a sumo to a trap bar. So you're doing the same movement, but it's a different lift. Yeah. So your body adapts differently. Yeah. So you could be doing a front squat, a back squat, a zircher squat, whatever, um, depending on your um, prerequisites. So whatever you're able to do, because some people can't load their spine very well so that's why we load them on the front etc gotcha 
Um, but yeah, you, the idea is that you make gains every fourth week and you're always in a state of readiness. Mm. So this is like, you do like your conjugate until you're like two weeks out from your competition. And then that's when you switch over to more speed work. You can work your isometric stuff for strength um, or we can work on things like French contrast, which is um, where you're building like explosive power, speed as well. And you're not really working on your strength because you've already built that up in the first eight weeks or whatever. Um, but essentially the French contrast workout would look like um, a squat with a pause. Then you do like a body weight jump, so plyometric. Then you do like a loaded jump and then you'd have an accelerated jump. So the accelerated jump where you'd put a band on like a pull-up bar, you pull it down and allow it to pull you up. So then you're working all of the um, speed and strength curve, but you're not overloading the body too much. And you can do that pretty much until the competition, jiu-jitsu-wise anyway. So, so as far as like, let's say, getting ready for a, a big comp. So if you've got a show, you've got a Polaris or something like that, or it's the Euros World Championships, like the you know big one for the year for you. Yeah. What what would the if someone comes to you like a year out and just says, look, you know, I, I don't think I can commit to training for a whole year, or whatever. But what, what what would you say would be relatively optimum in terms of like a time period to get ready for a comp? You're, you're in the gym a couple of days a week. You're you're on the mat three four days a week. Yeah, eight, eight to twelve weeks. And so 12 weeks is generally a camp. So that's three months, right? So that's generally what people have as a camp, but you can have it as eight. I mean, ideally you don't want to go any less than that just because, I mean, obviously you can, but you're not going to be in that optimum state. Um, but that's why I like conjugate as well, because you can just stay in that readiness. And so if you had, say, Polaris, but you wanted to do like an All-Stars or... A grappling industries to kind of tune up then you wouldn't peak for that competition you just train as normal treat it like a sparring day and then carry on and then you so that then during your camp you peak for your actual event and i'd also try and get them to undulate their sparring in the gym so a lot of people in jiu-jitsu tend to just spar hard all the time all the time all the time then they get injured and all sorts but you can undulate it so just like in the gym you can't do a max effort every single day right if you try to do a max squat or deadlift every day it's not going to happen right you're going to burn out your central nervous system is going to shut down the same is going to happen with your sparring so you could have like a your heavy day on a monday same day as you're lifting then that's your heavy sparring day then the tuesday would be like a medium then you go light and then you can go back down or mix it up however you want. Yeah, I mean, you need you need then as well kind of um, uh, compliant training partners who who want to follow a similar pattern. Because you know, yeah. the, can we go light, bro? Yes. <laughs> yeah, no. but it, it it could be that you just because most gyms tend to have a dedicated sparring or open mat session, True. right? Um, or they'll have their comp training days. Yes, so those are so the those ones. are your hard days. Yeah. Those are the days you're going to push the hardest. You're going to absolutely gash yourself on the mats. You're going to do everything that you would try and do in a competition. And then the next day is maybe a medium day and a light day. And those medium and light days, that's where you work on the 
the bad stuff. So maybe it's you can't pass the guard or you can't escape from mount. So you work on them on your light days so you can get the technique right. And then the comp days, that's your A game. That's where you, whatever it is you do, whether you pull guard, whether you play on top, you do that and you make sure you do it hard. If mm. that makes sense. Yeah. So so you you would maybe do the do the gym work two to three days a week yep. on that eight or 12 week yeah, period. Yeah. And then how many times a week do you think you would you would get on the mat? So it depends on the individual and their schedule. Like if, if we're trying to do it for an athlete, it's easy, right? Because they're going to be in the gym every day so we can easily undulate it. The problem, well, it's not problem, but the difficulties occur when programming in is when it's a mum, a single mum or or a single dad, or just even a parent with kids, and then they've got to take their kid to football, they've got to do this, they've got a full-time job. So they might only be able to train three times a week. So then when that happens, it's they're going to have to get to at least one comp session a week or do at least one hard sparring a week. Otherwise, they're not going to be ready. And then it's like it's it's my job as a coach to make them aware of that when they start. So... If someone come up to me, there's I don't know, they they own their own business, super busy, they can only train twice a week. Oh, I'm gonna do the English Open. I'll be like, okay, but you need to dedicate at least one day to a comp training session or hard sparring session, because realistically, if you're just turning up and doing these light little like you say, oh, I'm gonna go light today, bro, like we all do it, we all do have them little flow sessions. But if you're only gonna do that, when it comes to competition, you're just gonna get washed out because you're going to grab them <laughs> they've already they're ready for it and you're like ready for this slow little roll yeah yeah i think there 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 is a there is a variability as well on like age group not yeah. just in terms of how much training you can deal with but also the 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 pace that your matches are likely to be as yeah. you get older, you know, they do slow down a bit. But also, I mean, I, I can remember um, training at Mill Hill for the Euros. And I think we did like two lots of eight weeks. So like 16 weeks out yeah. of like, I think it was, it was maybe three nights a week, just hard sparring. And so the, the, and that was the second time I went to the Euros. I, I could barely get on the mat when I got to the Euros. Yeah, I got yeah. beat. I got my ass beat so badly because I was fucked. My back was fucked. My knees were <laughs> fucked. Because you've been doing hard, yeah, I hard sparring. Yeah, I was just yeah. beaten. And it, this is something that that kind of um, I, I'd I'd chewed on more. You know, as I've been training a little bit longer, is like most competitions that I would go to is probably two fights. It might yeah. be one, and it's probably two. So I don't really need to get ready for 60 people in the division and then it's seven fights for a, yeah, for a medal yeah. or whatever. I just need to be able to do two hard rounds, basically, yeah. without getting injured or you know whatever it is. And I, and I think that's, that can be a little bit difficult as well because like we comp class that we have at um, uh, Resistance – it's like an hour of hard sparring. And to be fair, I, I only do the Wednesday because I work on a Saturday, so I don't do the Saturday one. But that would be, I don't know, whatever it is, eight, nine rounds. Yeah, yeah. So for that, I, I mean, I really enjoy it. And I, and I sort of pride myself on being able to, to roll for an hour. So when we roll at home, it's the same thing. We roll for an hour twice a week at home. 
But realistically, I have to roll differently when I'm going to do eight rounds than if someone said to me, like, you've got two rounds only. I'm like, okay, let me really warm up and I'm just going to fucking blow my ass out for for two rounds because then I'm just going home, right? Whereas when it when you know you've got eight, it's like if I do that in the first, a bit two, more reserved. Yeah, I'm gonna get hammered on the last <laughs> six. And I'm gonna die. So so yeah, it's it's. I think you gotta you gotta take a little bit of kind of responsibility for your own, for your own training. Yeah. Really understand Absolutely. like where you are and what what kind of competition you're 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 facing. And and I suppose you know you kind of have those conversations with your coach with a good coach, so you both kind of agree with you know, where, where, where you're going and, and what needs doing. So, so what, what are you doing yourself in terms of training at the moment? F- two, three days a week lifting? So two days a week at the moment. I want to add a third day in, but it's becoming difficult because kids have football and work and, yeah. So and then, and then how, many, how, how much are you on the jiu-jitsu mats? Uh, f- six days a week. Training, Six, training, yeah, yeah, yeah. So and and, and teaching, coaching. yeah, yeah. So I teach on a Thursday evening, Friday lunchtime, Friday evening, and then do my strength class on a Saturday. Um, Monday evenings we have a comp class, so I go to that. Um, and normally in the week, at like eleven, there's like open mats, so it's like we just go in and get some rounds. Um, and there's also a th- comp class on a Thursday, so I do that there as well. And do, that, is that is that sort of sustainable for you for the year? Yeah, yeah, it, wor- it works for me. So I've managed to work my schedule around it so that I can train, and it and it does work for me, and it's sustainable. I can still hit the gym. I can still get down to um, when I mean hit the gym. I can go do my weight sessions. Um, I can still go and do my jujitsu sessions and not feel broken. Uh, another thing is obviously nutrition. Make sure you're eating yeah, enough. That was going to be my next question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what do you what do you do and what do you recommend? Well, I've got my own nutrition coach because I can't take my own advice when it comes to nutrition. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it also it just takes one less stress away from me, so I don't have to worry about about it. But mainly, he just kind of advises me, and he's like, "Look, you need to eat more of this, less of this," but generally it's just keeping protein high make sure there's enough carbs to fuel what you're trying to do um and not overeating them crap it's pretty pretty basic and number of meals per day uh it depends so and then sort of around training five or six yeah so i have something small before training um small banana small or no like maybe some rice like or like tuna and sweet potato this is like an hour hour and a half before right um but but right before i normally have a bag of sweets (laughs) bag of haribo just get some sugar yeah get some sugar in um and straight after or or during straight after i don't normally have anything i normally just go home and have a shake um a lot of my training is in the evening as well so I'll I'll get home from training like comp classes. I'll get home and I'll just have a shake and go to bed. Protein shake. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be like forty grams of protein and a little bit of sugar. Like you want to limit fats around your training, basically, because fats are slower digesting, mm. carbs are quicker digesting. So you want to get the carbs and protein in your system as much as possible. I mean, the anabolic window is not really not really that important as long as your overall protein throughout the day is adequate. I suppose if you're training that much as well, there's always a, that anabolic window is 
big. Yeah. If well, you're doing two workouts a week, it's, it's yeah, it's just it's just not as important as it was made out to be. Like yeah, when I, I remember, it used to be really like you got oh, thirty minutes. Yeah, you know, that's, I, used, that's I remember how it was I used I to finish started. training yeah, and yeah. be like, and right, I was like, okay. oh, I've got to eat. Yeah, and it's like you didn't have anything. You're panicking. You're like, of carbs, I, I need to go get protein. protein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but realistically, as long as you're getting enough calories and protein in a day, it doesn't really matter that much. And uh, what about supplements? Are you, do, is there anything that you take or recommend? Yeah, yeah. So I take, I obviously have protein powder, creatine. creatine I recommend creatine to everyone. Just um, take just, it every day? General, you don't yeah, like yeah, load yeah, it don't, and unload don't need to load it. Three, three to five grams a day. Um, and it's, you'll see benefits. It helps with your like explosive power and energy um, production is basically the easiest way of describing it. And... Although 30% of people are non-responsive. So that means that you could take it. I actually know quite a few people that are and it does nothing for them. Um, but I'd still, unless you know you're non-responsive, I'd still recommend taking it. So and in terms of like non-responding, there's not, is there not a specific test? You just see, I didn't actually yeah, notice Yeah, you're just not really going to respond that much to it. Um, you'll notice if you do because you'll be a little bit stronger you'll notice that your muscles feel fuller because it forces water into the muscle. So it makes you look a little bit bigger. You might and get a little bit of weight gain Yeah, on you it. normally put a couple of pounds, Yeah, right? yeah, but it's, it's mostly just water yeah. that, you, that you put on. Um, so yeah, as long as you drink enough water throughout the day, creatine's a perfectly fine supplement. It's the most researched supplement on the market. Yes. Um, you only need creatine monohydrate. Don't worry about any of the other... Yeah, I remember there was any a whole micronized... There's all this, stuff. yeah. It, yeah monohydrate yeah. is the easiest readily available one um, and it's cheap. Then there's beta-alanine. I take that. That's the stuff that... So you've ever had pre-workout? No. Okay, so basically um, it will make your face itchy is the easiest way to describe it's a, it. a vasodilator, right? Is it? Yeah, yeah. So it's going to it's gonna help with your endurance and um, and oxidization and stuff like that. So, but one of the side effects is like pins and needles. And if you're not used to it, it can be quite weird. quite weird and make you a bit worried. <laughs> I remember I took my mate to the gym once. Um, he wasn't a big lifter. <laughs> and he had, he had a pre-workout he goes my face is itching what do I do am, am I having a reaction I was like it's fine it's fine don't, don't worry um, but yeah BZ9 is really good for jiu-jitsu athletes because obviously it helps with endurance but you need to be taking it consistently for about 13 to 15 weeks before you actually notice a difference oh, really? but the difference can be like 30 seconds so that's 30 more seconds of like scrambling that you could potentially do okay so obviously that's a, a big difference in a match and the creatine how long would you say if you're gonna start to notice once you start taking it oh you'll probably start noticing about a week or two um as long as you're consistent with it you might notice sooner some people you know everybody's individual and they, they mm -hmm. react differently um but yeah i definitely recommend those two they're, they're really good. And then vitamin D, yeah. which everyone should be taking yeah. anyway, just for immune immunity and health. Yeah, yeah. I, st I started taking vitamin D during the lockdown. Yeah, yeah. Because I, uh, not that you need, really needed it with the sun, but <laughs> I, I was, there was a guy that I was following who, um, he, he basically said this 
something's coming out of China. This was probably November time, 2019. Yeah, yeah. When everyone else was just, it was a nothing burger. So um, we already, like, I, this, we still have got toilet paper from before lockdown. Because <laughs> in like November, December, I was, we, went, we spent about 600 quid on like dried food, soap, cat yeah, food, yeah. toilet paper, soap, candles. Like, I was like, whatever we need. We've got it. If this guy is, what he's saying is right, they're going to shut everything down. And, mm -hmm. and they did. And they did, yeah. But he, he, he very early on was saying, if you're high on vitamin D, you're literally not going to get it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just it just boosts not, your immune system yeah, you're just so not much. Gonna yeah, get it that, at all. yeah, I've I was preaching about it for years and no one not listened to me. And then the the papers and the powers that be tried to shut it down saying of vitamin D is not gonna help you. And this, I this, I was I was having arguments with like family members on the phone, like, no, no, take vitamin D. And they're like, No, 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 the paper said it's it makes it worse. And I was like, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah do what you want to yeah. do yeah yeah but i mean the, the the thing that i noticed so it's well there, there's two things that i noticed with that so one was that i used to get really bad like um i think it's called sad you know when you get miserable in the winter yeah 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 and once i started taking vitamin d i don't really get it yeah, yeah. I, I changed some other things around as well so i can't say oh, it was 100 percent. it was that but I definitely noticed the difference. I didn't feel as kind of lethargic and run down and whatever. I, I felt much more kind of level. And the, and the second, which again, maybe maybe people were a little bit more careful coming out and whatever, but I used to probably get five or six like little mini coughs and colds every winter. So I'd, I'd have a cough or a cold for like two, three days about five or six times because with the nature of my work, I'm just sitting face to face with people in a little room, no ventilation, the door's shut all day. And literally in the winter, 30% of my patients come in with a cold and go, yeah. try not to get too close. And I'm like, well, <laughs> well I can't that's help my it. job, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and since I started taking vitamin D, I mean, I don't think I've had anything for about four years now. Not, yeah, yeah. not one, nothing, zero. Yeah, it, it really, really helps. It was massively. crazy. So the other thing um, that, that, I had started taking that I definitely noticed a difference with, and I, I don't know whether it's something that you've tried or you're, you're um, uh, aware of, is cordyceps, mushroom. I haven't tried cordyceps yet. So, so I had a guy on the podcast who has, uh, he's a sponsor of the, one of the sponsors jo of the podcast. Jolie's given me some mushrooms Enriched. before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. She, yeah, she yeah, gave Richard. me the lion's mane. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, so he, I've started taking that, and he, that's different. Yeah, he, he does all of those. So lion's mane, chaga, turkey tail, all, all the all the sort of medicinal mushrooms, but also cordyceps, which cordyceps is the one that the sherpas take when they when they climb. And I think I'm right in saying that it was they it was discovered because the mountain goats used to eat these mushrooms, and then obviously mm. people are like, I wonder why the goats are eating the mushrooms? Let's eat them and see. And then they found when they eat them, they they've got they better endurance. Yeah, so yeah. basically, it, it it the the concept is that it helps your body to process oxygen better. So you're it's like I don't know, it, it's hard to explain, but what I it's the only one that I've taken where I. I can say like a hundred percent that I felt a difference. So I've got a little hill just around the corner from my flat. So I, I try and do hill, I call them hill sprints. I'm not really sprinting, I'm just running. Yeah, but yeah. maybe like three to four times a week. So I get up early in the morning and I'll just go and do maybe three to six 
circuits and then I'll get ready for work and go to work. And so I started taking this cordyceps um, and, and probably after about maybe two weeks, two and a half weeks of taking it, it's exactly the same workout. You know, it's the same hill, the same trainers, whatever. I just started getting to the top and being like, oh, I feel like a little bit better yeah, today. Yeah. And then the next day, oh, still, it's, it's almost like it had got a little bit less steep or it's, a, yeah, oh, it's yeah. very hard to explain. I just wasn't breathing as hard at the top. And then I thought, oh, you know what? I've been taking that cordyceps. And and that's that's the only thing that, that that I could say, you know, in terms of like a performance supplement that I've tried where I've where I feel like, yeah, that definitely made a difference. You know, everything else I think for me, there's always an element of, well, I'm taking it, so of course like I feel a bit stronger because yeah, yeah, you know, a bit, it was a bit of a placebo quid, right? going on. Yeah, yeah. 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 Whereas that I I I kind of forgotten I was taking it because I was just doing a bit of these four mushrooms. He gave me a few jars. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, bit of that, bit of that, bit of that. And then, but only after a couple of weeks of taking that cordyceps, I felt like, yeah, actually. And it, and it stayed. I still take it. And I just feel like I, my my breathing is is a little bit little bit easier. So that's yeah. that, that's definitely worth, I, I would say, having a little uh, Yeah, I'll look into with. it. Well, there's a lot of stuff coming out of all these mushrooms now as well, isn't there? Like um, the benefits of them yeah. and stuff like that. Like I say, I've, um, I started taking Lion's Mane. So Jolie did a post about it when she got a load of stuff and that made me want to start trying Lion's Mane. So I got these like tablets and I was taking that and then Jolie gave me a pot of the enriched one. Yeah. And... I just fire so much quicker. Like my, it's like when I'm rolling, it's just, it's, it's there quicker. And, um, yeah, that, that was quite mad. Yeah. He, so when he came back on, cause he's been on a couple of times when he came back the second time, he was telling me, um, that he'd had, uh, he'd, he'd been to a, like a yoga festival or something. And he had had a little stall and he was selling the mushrooms mm. and it's, couple of these um women had bought the lion's mane off him and they'd been taking it and then one of them had given it to her mum who had dementia yeah, yeah who'd forgotten her name and her brother's name and after about two weeks they went to visit her and she just remembered oh you're so-and-so and you're so-and-so and she was like you know i can't yeah, say yeah. it was down to that but this had been like six months like she's obviously helped a little yeah, bit yeah yeah so she she just suddenly kind of you know become more more able able to to remember so yeah i mean the the the, the mushrooms i i think are, are very very sort of potent um powerful supplements but the, the other thing that i had changed that i'd started doing during lockdown was i'd started doing some like deep breathing yes do you, do you oh do yeah breath, breath work's work? really important yeah, yeah. Do, you, so, do you have any sort of advice or yeah so we practices? we do um we do breath of fire before before training so this is on the strength conditioning days and breath of fires in through the nose out through the nose one second so it's like <laughs> you're almost hyperventilating all through the diaphragm and the idea is that you're um, getting more nitric oxide into your blood because that's produced in the nose and then that's going to cause more oxidization and then open up like your blood flow a lot better so then you can perform more so we do that before training and then when we finish I make them do um, some oh, what's it? I think it's called Art of Breath I'll have to double check I've got it written down but it's basically you do 6 second inhale 2 second hold and 6 second exhale now, it sounds quite easy, but once you've just done a conditioning circuit, that's really hard. And to do it all through your diaphragm, 
Um, and it's basically getting your heart rate back down and reminding you you're in control of your body. Um, and breath, yeah, breath work's super important. You need to be able to do it. You need to be able to breathe. That's why, you know, you have mouth breathers and they're always out of breath and people breathe through their chest too much. You should breathe through your diaphragm. Um, yeah, breath work's super important. Yeah, it is. I, I heard, um, do, you, do you ever see that guy, I think his name's Sadhguru on YouTube? He's like one of them kind of yoga old dude with a white him, head. No. You know, he's always got some wisdom about this and yeah, that. But yeah. he's, he's something he said about, someone asked him something about breathing. And he said, um, when you're born, the first thing you do is breathe in. Mm. And when you die, the last thing you do is breathe out. But every breath in between is just as important. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and it, you know, when people just kind of say things, just like yeah, a little yeah, sentence yeah, yeah. and you're like, that's really quite profound. Yeah, like yeah, every yeah. single breath you take is just as important as that first one and that last one. But we just, it's like with everything, right? You just kind of take it for granted. Yeah, oh, because just, you're just naturally doing just it. Just breathe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, so I started doing that when, right when we got sort of locked down, I just started doing, uh, you know, like the Wim Hof, 30 yeah, breaths yeah. and then a breath hold. Um, and, I, and I've done, I made myself like a little listen along one. Um, with a one and a half minute, two and a half minute, three and a half minute breath hold. So 30 breaths, one and a half minutes, did a two and a half, three and a half. And I've done that probably, I reckon in the last, was from the beginning of 2020. So the last three years, no, nearly four years. I reckon I've missed like 25 days yeah, in the last yeah. four years. I just, as soon as I started doing it, I was like, this is awesome. Yeah, set yeah. My, makes, set my alarm so 20 minutes early well, yeah. so I can just... I just go in a spare room, put a blanket, put my hat on, put my headphones on, lay on the floor, just just do it. And you just I don't know, it's it's hard to really no, you, explain. you feel good for it. And there's there's a reason they, they tell you when like so I, I get a lot of anxiety. Um and so I do a lot of box breathing, um, which is four second inhale, four second hold, um, four second exhale, four second hold, and you just repeat that until you feel better again. Yeah. Um but that that's helped me tremendously. So <laughs> even at like competitions and stuff, like you, you get that pre pre comp nerves and just box breathing just brings me back to where I am. I'm here. Okay, let's just get it done. And before I go onto the mat, every time I compete, <laughs> I'm right by the edge of the mat and I just go, <sighs> and that's it. And then I'm on. Yeah. So it's like one big breath, one exhale, and then okay, I'm here. I'm there. And I'm present, and I think that is a lot of it. Is it brings you back to the present? Yeah. Because we, especially in this day and age, we're so um, forward thinking with our brains. It's oh, what we're going to do this, what we're going to do that, we're going to do that. And then when we have to control our breath, we're back in the present moment. We're back where we are, and when we can deal with what we need to deal with. Yeah, yeah. This is. I think this is one of the one of the real kind of problems of social media, mm. and that. Um, access to to that amount of bandwidth of information is that you just everything just kind of yeah, like yeah. hyper it's like going faster and faster. I mean, it feels to me like there's just an acceleration of everything 
There is. Everything yeah, yeah, is happening is. faster and faster and faster and faster. The news and the wars and this and that. Yeah, and that. Yeah. It's like, and we're doing it, this. And then and it throws that. more of that at you. So yeah. whatever you've interacted with, seconds, X amount, and then it'll throw more of that at you. Yeah. So even if you've just looked at something and it was that's causing anxiety, so say a war or some disaster or something, and then you look at that too long, two, two posts down, there's another one. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, all your posts are looking like that. Yeah, doom, so, doom yeah, scrolling, doom, right? Doom, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that, that's also um, just the, the scrolling, the reels. That's another dopamine thing. So yeah. it's, it's killing people's dopamine and then they can't concentrate. Yeah, which which is something that I that I've really found. Because, I, I mean, I'm 50, I just turned 51. So when I was a kid... No computers, no internet, didn't exist. I had like a Commodore 64 when I was about 13 and there was like a few games on it and that was mm. it. So so my like whole childhood was was at a much slower pace. You know, like I can remember watching, say, like Rocky 1 or Rocky 2, whatever, yeah. because I'd videoed it until like probably Rocky 4 came out on the cinema. I was still watching Rocky 2. Because yeah, you couldn't yeah, yeah. even get Rocky Free yet on video until Rocky Four came out, and you know, yeah, so yeah. so I probably just watched Rocky Two like, I don't know, six hundred times. Like there was that, yeah, that yeah. was I just know, watch that just or Star Wars. That's what you Nothing had. Else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just watch it again. Watch it yeah, again. Yeah, oh, I was still similar as well. And then I think it was after my generation, it, it kind of because as I was growing up, DVDs come out, and then after that, and then we we kind of like accelerated really quickly. Because even videos was like, you have to rewind it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it, was, it even sort yeah, of had yeah. that time delay. Do you want to watch it again? Okay, I'm going to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you have to sit there and wait for it to rewind. Go, go, yeah. go back again. But even the, the stuff that was in the cinemas, it wouldn't come out for another nine... For ages. Even, even a year later. Yeah. Whereas now, it's in the cinema, or you can just pay for, to watch it in yeah. your living room. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, well, what's the point in that? Yeah, we talked we talked about this the other week on the Christmas one of of that to me like one of my strongest memories of Christmas was that there was a James Bond film on <laughs> yeah. at like three o'clock in the afternoon yeah, on Christmas yeah, Day yeah. like that was the big get Christmas lunch done yeah, and then you yeah. were gonna sit down with a box of chocolates and watch just that yeah watch yeah. the watch the the James yeah, Bond was, movie there was always a film on and then yeah but but yeah I mean I think you're right in terms of of that of the breathing in terms of like slowing everything down and bringing you back to the present because we done we did a uh, anxiety episode early on and um one of the things that i found when we were sort of reading up about it because you know anxiety is like loads of people suffer from anxiety mm -hmm. it's just a lot of people you don't know you think it's just you you're, you you're able to, to yeah, go, a lot of people can deal well. with it a little bit better and yeah yeah but but I, it, it, the thing that i've found said um that anxiety is a condition where you live in the future mm -hmm. rather than just going well. I'm just. I'm all right, right. I'm just sitting on a stool. Yeah, yeah. Is, is a stool going to fall over? No. Well, yeah. Well, when you're having a panic attack, one of the things they say is you need to ground yourself. So you need to like you know get yourself ready. Okay, I'm here. My feet are on the floor. Yeah. And you have to then start your breath work, um, because you're already panicking about something that's not happening. And then yeah. a lot of times you think it's a heart attack, but it's just your mind. Yeah. I mean, um, I went. I went. I don't know if I went three times, but I've been twice to A and E. Like with a heart attack, yeah, yeah, and they're like, you know, having a heart attack. <laughs> I'm sure I'm having a heart attack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, having a heart attack. Yeah, Go yeah. home. We're really busy. Yeah, I mean, I, I had it like really badly a while ago, probably ten years ago. I did like a couple of like really bad years. It was actually after I'd done my neck. Yeah, yeah. After I'd done my neck, so I couldn't train. I was not in a relationship. So I was living on my own. 
work was like a ball ache. The interest rates started going up. So my mortgage payments, I was at the point where I was really like, okay, I got two pound a night for dinner. Like I got to yeah, get like, yeah, yeah. fish every other day, this cheap, horrible fish, and I'll have rice and and yeah. whatever, and just had like a like like a bad spell, and had and had like really bad kind of anxiety problems then. But yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's a common thing, and I think you know certainly the breathing helped me massively. As well as for me, the jiu-jitsu helped me because a lot of the anxiety that I had was like health anxiety of like, oh, what if I have a heart attack? Like, what if something happens? And jiu-jitsu for me was, especially like with sparring, was like, well, you're going to find out. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it's six o'clock. If you look at your watch again and it says seven, you're all right because that's a hard hour. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. A, that's an hour of fighting, and if you make it through, you're good. And you know, while you're doing it, your your mind is mind is calm because you're just thinking about. Well, you, you have which to be grip, calm. Yeah. Where do I put my foot? And then if you if you rage out, you burn out. So I learned that the hard way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. The the jujitsu. So are you are you competing at the moment? Are you actively? So I'm going to be competing. I'm debating whether to do the all stars or not. My knee's playing up a little bit. I decided to try and buggy choke people <laughs> and hurt my own knee doing it. Yeah, I see uh, some of the, that kind of, you know, yeah, muggy just, weirdness. And I, I think- was just, I was messing about and uh, one of the guys come back from uni and he he does it quite a lot, but he's really slim. And then I tried to do it and I, my knee just went and I was like, yeah, that doesn't sound too good. Maybe, maybe I won't do that anymore. Yeah, stick but, with um, it. But yeah, it was just like messing around and then I was like, okay, oh yeah, this is a stupid move. <laughs> yeah, so if you do that All-Stars, that'll be your first combat That'll be my first belt. one at Black Belt. If I don't do that, it'll be um, Grappling Industries in February. So th- these would be gi or no gi? No gi. I'm gonna, my preference this year is going to be more no gi. But um, you train kind of both I train regularly? both, yeah, yeah. And, I lo- and I, teach I, both? Yeah, yeah. I, I do really enjoy the gi. Um, but in terms of like essentially i don't want to say monetizing it because but you know what i mean if, if you want to start making money from jujitsu all the eyes are on no gi yeah so i'm not going to give up my gi i love the gi yeah. i love getting the lapels i love wrapping them around people it's fun um it's one of my i actually probably prefer it a little bit more but there's more you're going to get noticed more in no gi so that'll be my focus. I I've mean, got no, no a couple geez, of other guys as well. Yeah, no geese definitely more entertaining to watch. Yeah. As a, if you're looking at it as a spectator sport. I, well, I think if you've got two two opposing styles, sometimes it doesn't quite work. It's just, but then that's the same as boxing, the same as MMA. Yeah. You the styles make the fights and the entertainment, and I think a lot of people in jiu-jitsu are afraid to lose. Mm. when they get to the big stages Mm. so they're not as entertaining um which isn't a bad thing i suppose you know everyone wants to win but i just want to go out there and have fun like i'll go out there i'll wrestle someone if i get taken down i get taken down i've got a good guard i can play off my back um but yeah like you had that fight at the weekend um what's his name something he's in the ufc I don't watch a lot of oh, where, where he, stuff. Basically, he's a wrestler. Algernon Sterling, maybe? Oh, yeah, maybe. Um, but he, he's like a wrestler, right? And he was fighting a guy who, who was a butt scooter, for lack of a better word. 
and the butt scooter won. I'm not quite sure what happened, but there was a big rant on Instagram about it. And he was like, oh, this isn't entertaining, blah, blah, blah. Which he's right, but at the same time, it's his job to then engage the guard. Um, I mean, within a, within a rule set, you, you kind of have to play the rules to your advantage, right? Yeah, There's yeah, no absolutely. point in, in discarding certain parts of a game because they kind of look shit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, everybody wants to be the guy with a amazing blast double and then... Yeah, yeah, because it looks cool, it looks wicked. It's, yeah, it's great, yeah. right? But, you know, quite often, especially if you're physically a little bit outmatched, you've got to play that kind of sneaky, yeah, yeah, sit down, pull guard. frustrating, annoying yeah. kind if, of game. Well, it's, if if your game is off your back and it's you're a guard player, then why are you going to stand up? Yeah. Why are you going to waste energy, like you say? You know, especially if you're not going to lose points for sitting down. So... Um, yeah, there, there is that, but I don't find that as entertaining. Yeah, to to I mean that's why I I actually don't watch a lot of grappling. I watch the odd little bits and bobs, but I, I prefer to watch MMA yeah. just because it, I find it the most kind of um, entertaining. But but not not even entertaining. I just I just find it technically the most interesting thing to watch because there's so much. It's the most realistic if it was to be real, right? Yes. So it's the, it's the closest you're going to get to a, like a, a real fight, yeah. for lack of a better word, because yeah. it is a real fight. But, you know, they're, they're, you can't just sit down on your back because yes. the bloke's going to be coming into you and trying punching you in the face. Yeah. And a lot of the moves in jiu-jitsu, um, the, the, sorry, the modern game of jiu-jitsu, you can't do that. No. Because no, <laughs> no you're inverting... going to eat a knuckle sandwich. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's I, I, I find as well I, I I like the the kind of um, the different options that you have in terms of what's available within those fights. So you know you see if someone gets rocked, they have the option to, to try and take the other guy yeah, down yeah, or just can, clinch can and grapple up and get, get against down, the cage, yeah. try and hold them on the side you until know, they, until they're back where they want to be. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a. You know, I think I think it is it is kind of the evolution of fight sports. I think that's that's kind of become the the dominant sort of most watched fight sport. Maybe still boxing is there because it's was so big. Well, but bo boxing is kind of I don't know. It, it seems to just be a bit of a gimmick at the moment. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't, I don't watch boxing. I don't enjoy it. I don't, I don't really like it. You don't like need it. to at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's not I, very good. I, I, I remember, I remember, like, I was, I was kind of at the end of the Hearns Hagler era. Yeah, yeah. But uh, obviously, Tyson. When I was young, Tyson was was just sort of coming up. Yeah. And then um, uh, Nigel Benn, uh, Eubanks, and Watson, like all, all those fights, yeah, which yeah. were crazy fights. And there was no MMA. I mean, there was. Do you remember Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks on the wrestling? You're too young for that. I remember Big Daddy. So, so in the US they had the WWF. Yeah. Now, I remember WWF. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, but in the UK, yeah. they had like Saturday lunchtime wrestling, and it was oh, okay. you know proper like some Cockney guy saying, "Oh, who's fighting today?" <laughs> and then and they literally every week would be Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks. You yeah, know, yeah. Four hundred pounds against four hundred and fifty pounds. Who's going to have a heart attack first? Yeah, yeah. Come out do that the guy goes underneath they both go on the ropes for you know that was it was that yeah, or boxing yeah. so boxing was was where it was at but you know i think i think because of the the rules constraints of other 
fighting sports, so boxing or wrestling or taekwondo or whatever, they they they've become too limited to really be fascinating. Yeah. You know, like people people want more and more reality. Like if you if you look at um, how fights used to be in movies, like go back to James Bond, yeah, go yeah. back to when I was a kid and it was Roger Moore doing like a yeah, and then yeah, like a karate yeah. kick and then a, another karate kick and then everyone will fall over. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. look at like the Daniel Craig, the sort of later ones where it's like kind of JKD scuffle, yeah, bit of yeah. jiu-jitsu, bit of sticking a pen in someone's ear hole, you know, it's, becomes much more kind of realistic yeah yeah and i think as well you know in terms of like the the other content that people watch so again even even going back 10 or 15 years most of what people watched was like narrative stuff dramas or movies or series or whatever whereas now mostly it's just youtube Yes. So it's just people having. If you like fights, you just watch people fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's 85 million hours of people having street fights. So you know now what a fight looks like. You don't have to wonder could Roger Moore beat up Sean <laughs> With Connery. His weird like, little, yeah, yeah. you know it doesn't work. Yeah, or right? if you go back and watch the old Steven Seagal movies. Yeah, Steven Seagal and even yeah, anything. Robin Hood. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, name yeah. the name the movie. If you go back and look at them now, they're so bad, so slow, and so yeah, kind of yeah. weird and funny looking. But but I mean that that translates then to what people expect in their in their fight sport is something that's tracked the the changing culture right yeah, people want to yeah. see real real fights well i think that's why because the um, the bare knuckles getting a lot of traction now um there's bkfc they're quite big and they like, that is brutal like if you watch it if I've you want to watch you want to watch something brutal even the prelims it doesn't even have to be a main card because yeah. it's knuckle on face so yeah it's, but it's, I, it's about as real as you're gonna get <laughs> I, I i i do i do watch them but I prefer like high level MMA just because there's more there's more scope for to see technical fighting yeah. kind of thing. Like with a with a bare knuckle, it's like did you, you saw um Luke Rockhold when he fought um what's his name? Mike Perry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just I think he snapped his veneer off or something. Yeah, and yeah, then that yeah. was, it's like oh, I don't want to fight with one tooth out like that's yeah, the yeah, end of the yeah. fight. Whereas if that was with little gloves and whatever, that would have gone on to be a three round fight and you know, maybe someone got foot locked or Yeah, yeah. There, there's more stuff happens. With that one it's kind of it's just like who's the toughest guy? Like yeah. who's really like you're gonna you're gonna know who's the toughest yeah, guy. Yeah. That's back to like the Kimbo Slice yeah, yeah, days, right? It. Like I think what Dane when when Kimbo Slice went into the UFC, remember when he went in the Ultimate Fighter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um everyone was like, Oh man, Kimbo's going in the Ultimate Fighter and whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I remember saying at the time, like, I don't think he'll do that well. Yeah, yeah. And then Dana Dana they asked Dana and he said, Look, um, he said, Kimbo Slice, Slice is always going to be the toughest guy at the barbecue. Yeah, yeah. But this is a sport. Yeah. This is like, this is not fighting. This is a sport. It's That's very it. technical. There's a lot of different disciplines. And he was right. You know, he was just heel hooks, knee bars, yeah, yeah. you know, That's ankle it. picks, whatever. So a whole different ball game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so that's the that's the that's the evolution of 
of martial arts. So are you do you, do you still do any MMA stuff or really just the jiu-jitsu? In the so gym? I've recently got back into striking a little bit. Only boxing or sort of mixed just up. Just boxing for now. I'm going to go back to the to do a bit of Muay Thai. Um, just because I want to, you know, just I like to be able to still kick and throw because I think it looks cool, right? Yeah, yeah it looks very cool. Like, especially like some of them Muay Thai kicks, they're savage. And the way they use their feet, like hands. So yeah. like, obviously I did boxing. So to me it's a jab, but they'll use their left like teep kick and that's a jab to them. Yeah. And it's just so quick. Yeah. Or just even just a head kick. And it's just like, and it's there. And uh, I'd love to be able to do that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm going to try and do more of that this year. Um, and do you think you would, would you look to compete in some kind of MMA or not? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was the goal originally. So yeah, maybe never say never, right? Um, I'd love to do that, but I still want to compete in Jiu-Jitsu. So I'll be trying to compete as much as possible in Jiu-Jitsu this year and then just add the striking as and when. And if a bout opens up, it opens up and, and then I'll go do it. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's nice. It's not, because obviously you can't ever learn everything in jiu-jitsu, but I can pick jiu-jitsu up really quickly and it's nice to be bad at something, if that makes sense. Yeah. So like going into Muay Thai, my kicks are terrible. So it's nice to be shit and it's exciting Oh, I'm gonna. Yeah, this, that, that gonna first six progress. months, you get you get a massive bump in skill and knowledge. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. But it's just it's 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 exciting that oh, I'm gonna be learning this. I'm gonna be doing that. So that's kind of what I'm pushing towards now. Nice. So yeah, never say never. Beautiful. <laughs> All right. Let me let me ask you three questions. Yeah. So um, question number one is. You are trapped in a TV show okay. for a month. Yeah. What would you choose? Trailer Park Boys. Trailer Park Boys. What's yeah. Trailer Park Boys? Uh, brilliant. So it's a mock. It's like it's just a mockumentary, um, and it's these three guys in Canada and in a trailer park, and they're always trying to get money and and like save the park from various different things, and it just like it snowballed into a whole thing. Like there's like twelve seasons. And um, I think like Snoop Dogg and Tom Arnold came into like the later ones, and to me, it's one of it's my favourite TV show. Oh, cool! So, right. Yeah, I've not, if not I heard could, of it. if I could be in one, it'd be that just because it's so stupid. All right, I'm gonna check that out. <laughs> Trailer Park Boys. Yeah. Okay. The second question is: Would you rather fight one horse-sized duck <laughs> or a hundred duck-sized horses? So one horse-sized duck or a hundred. Duck-sized horses. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the big duck. Yeah, I want to fight one horse-sized duck. Have you yeah. got? A, is there any strategy that's coming to mind? Or uh, I think I'd get outnumbered by all the horses. A hundred, a hundred duck-sized. That's a lot of horses coming at you, trying to bite your legs and stuff. And you could probably kick a few off, but they're stronger than you think, right? So. <laughs> What's a duck guy? It can bite you. I could just move around it. <laughs> All right, take the take the duck. I take the duck. All right. Last question is: You can have ten million pounds in cash right now, but you're being chased by a snail. If the snail touches you, you die a horrible death. The snail cannot be stopped. The snail cannot be killed. The snail knows where you are at all times, and it has only one goal, which is to get to you. Yeah. Would you take the money? 
No, because money's money. Money comes and goes. It's not everything. So I, I, and I don't want to be looking over my shoulder looking for a snail, living on a boat. <laughs> yeah, you, you and me both. Beautiful. Um, how do people get in touch with you? What's your social media and so contacts? it's just it's just Instagram is my only social media. So it's at Decorting Fitness or at Joe Decorting. So Decorting Fitness is more of my fitness stuff. That's where I post like all my content regarding strength conditioning things like that. And then the Joe Decorting one's just like my own page to where. So I just both post my own training things like that. Yeah, I'll put I'll put links to those in the show notes, and and in terms of um, coaching stuff, you can do remote face to face. Yeah, yeah, do a lot of online stuff. So I use an app online, um, which gives people the videos of what they got to do. They just then type it in. We can talk through the app. We have check ins every week. Um, nutrition's same goes in the same app, and then yeah, one to one stuff as well. And in terms of like the one-to-one, do you, have you got like a gym space that you can use? Do you go to people? Yeah, yeah, I go to people. There's a few people I go to their houses. I can use the space in Northwood. I can use the gym at St Albans as long as there's not a class on. So there's plenty of space. Beautiful. I've got plenty of areas we can go to. Like I say, there's always your, your own home, which yes. people people love. <laughs> yeah, 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 nice. And you're, and you're based around St Albans area? Around St Albans and Hertfordshire, yeah, yeah. yeah. But obviously because I travel into Northwood and that and around there, I've got clients in Stanmore as well, actually. Okay, nice. So, Beautiful. Thank you yeah. very much for coming in. Thank you. Thanks it for having me. It was, uh, was good to talk. Yeah, yeah, it nice, was nice. Nice to meet you. And uh, good luck with the, with the knee and the comps. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, awesome. Um, Thank you guys for listening. Uh, I know everyone's time is precious, so if you manage to stay all the way through, thank you for for staying with us. I hope you enjoyed it. It's a great conversation. I'm sure you guys got something from it. And uh, reach out to Joe because I'm sure he can uh, bump your training up another couple of levels in terms of uh, being effective. This is something actually that um, Spencer Hewitt said to me when he came on right at the end. He said... um, there's these. I'm gonna. I'm gonna steal his story. There's these two guys chopping wood. I don't know whether you heard it. He said there's two guys chopping wood, and um, one guy every day takes a lunch break for an hour, and he comes back, and at the end of the day, he's always chopped more wood than the other guy. And after a couple of weeks, the other guy says to him, "Mate, like, what's going on? Like, it's like you take an hour out every lunchtime, and you always end up chopping more wood than I do." And he says, "In my lunch break, I spend an hour sharpening my axe." Yeah, and. Uh, I think maybe from the from the sounds of 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 how you're coaching and and what you're doing with clients, it, that axe sharpening is is available. That is yeah. absolutely. We'll so, sharpen your axe. Yeah, go and see Joe and sharpen your axe. That's it. So yeah, thank you for for coming in. Thank, thank you. you. Again. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at White Basement Pod. Everywhere where you listen to your podcasts, uh, YouTube is at White Basement Pod. Make sure you're subscribed. Give us a thumbs up. Uh, share the episodes around. New episode comes out every Tuesday at 5am and we catch you next time. Rap is such a competitive sport. And my glass is still on, it's the incredible dog. They wanna try me like the federal car, but I'm unashamed of the gospel I never